Hi, I'm Len, your host of Targeted Justice v. Garland, a podcast about an extraordinary lawsuit. If you have any doubt about how groundbreaking this lawsuit is, here's a factoid that might impress you, our viewers. Terrorist Screening Center Director Charles Cable apparently resigned within days of receiving our lawsuit. This is how powerful our lawsuit is. And of course, we owe this to our brilliant legal strategist and a magician with fully developed seven senses. Yes, seven, because this is where judicial intuition resides. And we are lucky to have this talented individual as our attorney for the plaintiffs, Anna Toledo. Please say hi to our audience, Anna. Good morning. Thank you for that introduction. Good morning, everybody. And yeah, we're going to talk about that in a little while that we just found out about it recently. Happy to be here. Happy to be with you every Sunday, Anna. And today's special guest is Liliana DeLuca, a widely known activist for the rights of targeted individuals, someone who worked for the United Nations, where she collaborated on several important environmental projects. An Argentinian-American, Liliana has just been diagnosed with Havana syndrome. Welcome to the podcast, Liliana. Thank you, Len. Uh, thank you for uh, having me. And uh, I uh, am really uh, grateful to Dr. Lydia Sheshenko for uh, giving me the diagnosis because I've been a victim for 20 years now. And uh, I, I think that uh, I went through a lot, like a lot of uh, victims do, and uh, I was not surprised to get that diagnosis when she gave it to me. Uh, I think it was coming. We can't wait to talk to you about your diagnosis, Liliana. But first, our legal segment. Anna, first and foremost, please tell us what happened to the director of Terrorist Screening Center, Mr. Cable, and why all of a sudden he stopped liking his very important job. Well... I don't know <laughs> what happened, but I do know this. On Saturday, I found out a through a third party, not through the Department of Justice, that uh, Mr. Cable at the end of January resigned. We filed our lawsuit on January 11th. And so we have to assume he gave a two-week notice. And by the end of January... 2023 he gave his resignation notice uh, he is sued in his he was sued in his official capacity as well as his individual capacity so even though he's no longer working at the fbi as in his official capacity he remains as a defendant for his actions during the five years he was the director of the terrorist screening center Casually, he was from March 2017 until January 2023. So whatever actions he can be liable for during that time, as alleged in the complaint, well, he it remains to be seen, you know, if and when we prevail at the circuit regarding the civil rights violations that have been alleged against him. Now, what is interesting here is, and I, and I can tell you, I can tell you, 
looking at you, not in the eye because I don't have you in front of me, but looking at the camera, I can tell you that I have never lied to a court. I have never made a false representation to a court because I take I take my oath very seriously. And I think that as a targeted individual, that is what has prevented my adversaries and my the people that have been after me from harming me more because I am very honest in my professional endeavors. Now, uh, one of the things that happens when an official is sued in his official capacity, when the person ceases to be in that office, the legal representative of that person has to notify the other party that there has to be a substitution of parties in the case. Because if you ultimately obtain a remedy against the official, for example, the remedies that we are seeking against the official capacity defendants are, for example, that they stop including innocent people on a terrorist database. And guess who is the person that is would have to carry out that order, that command? Well, the director of the terrorist screening center. That is why there is a legal duty of the attorney representing that official to communicate that not only to me, as a plaintiff's attorney, but also to the court, because every time an attorney makes a representation to the court that uh, they are writing on behalf of the official capacity defendants, they are making a representation that it is those defendants that are there. So Mr. Cable, since January 31st, is no longer an official capacity defendant, even though in March 15th of 2023, I filed a second amended complaint and on March 16th, the attorney for the government acquiesced to it and said she had no objection to it. Instead of at that moment telling me, oh, by the way, Mr. Cable no longer is the director of the terrorist screening center, so you should correct that. I'm not going to decide right now the course of action I am going to take regarding this matter. But it is certainly very serious. You know, I take it very serious because uh, when you sign a document and you submit it to the court, you are attesting to the accuracy and truthfulness to every single word in that document. And, uh, and you know, I think this is a very serious matter, particularly because we are on an appeal right now where Mr. Cable appears as an official capacity defendant but he's no longer an official of the United States government. And for me, that's a very serious matter. That's regarding the case. As you know, they have until the 6th of January, the government. 6th of yes. November. I'm, I'm sorry, 6th said... of November. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you so much. 6th of November. And thereafter, I have 15 days to reply, but I'm already working on my reply. So I hope to have it within at least a week, 10 days at the very most. But before I go into the next thing, do you have any comments regarding that? I actually do. What you described sounds to me like a major dereliction of duty by the government attorney, by the attorney representing the government. And I don't know if you're going to address it directly to the court in a separate document or as a part of the oral argument, but that needs to be known. This is this is another example of 
the differential treatment of our case. It sounds like the attorney for the government defendant did not find it important enough to inform us about this major change. This is unacceptable. And so I think all these people that have these comments that we are not pursuing a right strategy, that alone is a confirmation that we're pushing all the right buttons. I mean, a director of terrorist screening center, Mr. Cable, way, way early for retirement age, resigned voluntarily when he saw our lawsuit. I think we can connect to that. That's all from me. And let's go to your slide if you don't have any other comments on it. Well, I only have to say this, uh, and as many in the targeted community know, that since 2017, the inordinate amount of targeted individuals that have joined the ranks of this population has been, I mean, has been excessive. 2016, 2017 were years that you saw that there was a huge push. So during the tenure of Mr. Cable, is I am going to say probably more than half of the targeted individuals that are in the roster today were added during his tenure. And that's maybe why he put his resignation. But, you know, just because he resigned doesn't mean the case is going to go away for him. That's number one. Number two, there was an obligation. There's a legal obligation. There is a candor to the court. The attorneys have a legal obligation of candor to the court to at all times tell the status and the truth to the court. And that's what, it, for me, is disturbing. I am not going to do anything. I had a wonderful, wonderful teacher, not teacher, actually, employer, my first and only boss I ever had as an attorney because then I went on my own. And he always taught me that <clears throat> you write things, you sit on them like a chicken sits on, a, on, on her eggs, and lays on her eggs, and then a few days later, you send it when your anger or your indignation goes away. Because uh, otherwise, you know, it can come and backfire at you. So you have to, when you're an attorney and, and you are bound by the rules of ethics, you have to be very careful with your words. And, and that's why I, you know, I have to I have to measure my words. I think this is a, a huge breach. But anyways, uh, let's continue with what I prepared because this is the first. Thank you so much for correcting my slideshow that I wanted to give you because you're always the one preparing them and working so hard. And I wanted to do this because for a long, long time, I've had um, Ohio in my heart. I've been telling people about it. And those of you who haven't heard it, uh, this is, stay tuned because this is really interesting and, and you want to perk your ears to what's going on in there. I think there's some nefarious experiment going on there. Richard, Richard Lighthouse thinks I, to, he, he, we think there's some CIA thing, you know, we can go into this, the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, but when you look at the facts, that's when you say, no, there is really something weird going on. So let's go for it. Okay, so what is going on in Ohio? I have been accumulating a few uh, news articles in the past, I don't know, three months that I've been coming up with, and because they just 
they just came to my attention after I had um, my first, the, the, the way it came, it came to my attention was this. Uh, I had this phone conversation with this lovely lady that lives in Ohio and she's a, she has her daughter is a generational TI and her husband is too. Uh, and, and I know I've mentioned this before, so forgive me for those that have heard this story before. So she has a, a 34, 35 year old uh, daughter who, who has Down syndrome and she's also a victim of B2K. These two are completely incompatible. Down syndrome is completely incompatible with, if you say that she has like a, a schizophrenic disorder, they're completely incompatible. They they just don't go. So it, it's definitely B2K. And uh, she's tormented every night by the voices she hears. She goes to sleep just out of sheer exhaustion. And uh, I look forward to hearing from the FBI how uh, this woman who I called C, how C is a terrorist threat and why is she on, on the terrorist database? She has registered, you know, along many, over a thousand persons have registered already for us to verify their names in the TSDB with me directly. And and I want, I really want to hear, I wanted to hear Mr. Cable explain how she's a terrorist threat, a 35 year old Down syndrome patient, but anyways, and a threat to national security. And so when, when I heard about that and the torture they do because the mother, the, the, the real torture is the mother in the room next door listening to her daughter fight with these voices and scream at her. And the mother cannot explain it's a technology and it's a torture. And, and so the mother suffers probably more than the daughter listening to her fight with these voices. And, and that's what I realized, you know, how evil can can this, where does this come from? So I started to hear more stories from Ohio. After C's uh, story, I came up with this very, very sad story about this man who is a targeted individual and his name is Stephen Marlowe. In, uh, he shot four neighbors, a mom and his 13-year-old daughter and an elderly couple. He was convinced that they were tormenting him, but they had a weapon. They were tormenting him with B2K. As you know, the government criminals that run this program have the means to replicate the voice of other people and play it in your, you know, in your head. So, and, and, and let me make this disclaimer. I do not think that victims of B2K are violent people by no means. I think that the people in Ohio are being targeted more than in the rest of the nation, or perhaps they are being more violently targeted. I think that the experiment there is on steroids. And, and that's why I think that this should be closely looked at. Okay. I am a, an admirer of all of you out there that have B2K like you, Len, and that can and that can overcome the atrocious torture that it entails. Okay. So I just want to make that disclaimer and that we do not targeted justice does not advocate in any way violence. Uh, but I want to play this clip because it's it's very important to sometimes see ourselves in blaming the neighbor 
for the microwave weapon that this man went to find and didn't find there. Go ahead, Lens. Dad, Kevin Carey, Brendan. Um, I just want you to know I love you more than you will ever know. Um, I could not have asked for a better family. What you cannot comprehend is that we have been attacked by this weapon our entire lives, and the attack against me personally is one of the most vicious attacks a human being um, has ever faced. I have tolerated the most inhumane torture in hopes that the FBI and CIA would come to my defense, but they have failed to come to my aid. My only hope is that you come to understand what has happened here. When the world realizes what has happened, there will be justice, but I cannot sit by and be a victim any longer, and I refuse to sit by and do nothing while my nieces and nephews and the rest of my family are operated on with mind control. Our thoughts are not private. It is disgusting and it is cruel. I will be launching the first counterattack against mind control in human history. I want to be very clear, this will not be an active shooting event. I will be executing some of the people responsible for activating shooters. Um, if I happen to survive, please visit me in prison, if only to see the same man you have always known, rather than the victim of some mental disorder that does not exist. What you may not understand is that I will gladly die to expose this, and I will gladly die to help one other victim discover the truth of what has happened. If I can help another targeted individual fight back against telepathy, then the sacrifice will be well worth it. To any TIs who read this, understand that your attackers use the form of ventriloquism I describe in the paper to move your thoughts, but your thoughts can also move their mouths. To my friends in Chicago, Lexington, Dayton, and all over the world, get this email out to everyone you know. The most horrific weapon ever made is being used on human beings, and if you ever learn the truth, you will understand what I did here to protect myself and my family. Get this out to other TIs, other voice hearers, so the world has a chance to fight back. Um, to my family, especially my nieces and nephews, I want you to understand that what I do here, I do for your future, and hope that you can live a life free of mind control. I love you guys. Okay, so he went, as he said, and executed the mother, the 13-year-old daughter, the elderly couple. The, he went into their houses. He did not find the microwave weapon that was broadcasting the telepathy and the ventriloquism and all of that, because we know that it's not there. <laughs> This man was placed on the TSCB. He was made a targeted individual. He was um, attacked with voices call. Through, you know, we, we are very clear on the fact that it is uh, the people at Shrevers and the CIA doing this torture. I believe that he was entrapped in the sense that he was driven to madness or to, you know, to, to doing these heinous crimes. Because in the criminal world, we talk about a temporary insanity. When, when somebody carries out these heinous crimes, we talk about a moment of a temporary insanity. Okay, I'm not his attorney, but I would definitely invoke something like that, right? So, and then they go and say, oh, in custody, right? So... I say, you know, the FBI not only framed this man, but by placing him in that, by making him a targeted individual, the FBI is responsible for his victims because, but for this V2K that drove him to these atrocious acts of violence, these people would be alive today. And that's what I have to say. We do not condone violence. We do not condone any kind of, you know, taking law into your, you know, just revenge like this. And we just want people to understand that it is not your neighbor doing B2K on you or the microwave on you.
They could be gang stalking you. That's another thing. That's not a microwave. Okay. If I may add a personal observation, I saw this video and I saw the absolute dedication to end this inhumane torture and then how misguided his actions were. And that is the saddest thing. So I hope nobody is misguided. Not everybody should understand what's going on to the very technical details, including that your neighbors are not doing it, that it is done centrally. It is done in the way so you would think that your neighbors are doing it and your attempt to correct it are misguided. Please don't be misguided. Be educated. Thank you for this, Anna. You're welcome. And also, please go to the technology tab in targetedjustice.com. Go to the technology tab, the V2K tab, and it's very well explained there. Okay, this one is recent. And the, and the curious thing about this is a father that purportedly kills, executes his entire family. And nobody says that there were problems in this family. And then he commits suicide. The police chief says the kids were found in the bedrooms, parents in theirs. He says it's the worst, the worst thing in 23 years, the worst thing he's ever been a part of. Okay, so we're seeing kind of crimes that he hadn't seen in 23 years. And he says the department had, didn't have any indication there was something going on with a family. Okay. When the officers talked to the neighbors, everybody said that everything appeared to be fine. So, and, and at this point, I want to, um, for those of you interested, you should look into, look up for Charlie, his YouTube channel. He, he has a lot of very good videos on subliminal messaging. If this man was not a victim of V2K, he could have had severe subliminal messaging, which, so look out for Charlie, can he... He separates the audio in just ambient noise and he can and you and you can distinctly hear the violent messages like take him out, take him out. And, and, and it's it's real. And this is co being conducted through cell towers. OK, so the, the interesting thing about this news, uh, this uh, massacre is that after August 27, you cannot find a single news article about it. A murder, a five, a full family murdered. And after August 27th, there zip, nothing. So it's just as if it didn't happen. Okay, so that was also in Ohio, in Uniontown, Ohio. Let's go to the next one. This was 2021. This man beat to death his five-year-old autistic son. Baseball bat. After hearing voices, according to the 9-11 call, this is what's the call. What's the problem? Tell me exactly what happened. A female dispatcher asked, I just killed my son. Ponomarenko replies, what do you mean you just killed your son? And he says, I'm hearing voices. This was 2021. Okay, so in the next slide, you have the little angel. And then he goes, he then described how he fatally beat his son with a baseball bat, leaving his lifeless little body on the living room floor. 
The father had been recently released from a behavioral health center and was not taking his medication. We all know that medication for schizophrenia does not in any way affect or eliminate V2K because it's not an illness. And so there, you know, he says, my mom dropped him off today. He was vibrant, completely content. And all of a sudden he gets hit with all this, which is also an indication because if he was okay, you don't immediately, when you get mental illness, you don't just like all of a sudden get it, you know, it takes a while. So clearly there's just something wrong with that picture. Uh, the next slide, 2019, Connor Betts. He slaughtered nine people, including his sister, in the night dis nightlife district in Dayton. All of these are in Ohio. A former girlfriend said he talked often about dark, evil things he was hearing. He, he would hear, hear voices. Okay. And he just went on a shooting spree, which I think... I, I really believe that if we look up in the TSDB, all those shooters, mass shooters, it is very likely we're going to find them there. And probably all of them are victims of V2K. But the time will tell. Next one, Anthony Sowell, 2011, murdered 11, 11 people. Raped, killed, stored, and buried 11 women. He told police... He suffered blackouts and heard voices in his head. He said he would often black out and was not able to remember what happened. I thought it was like a, I was like a ghost. It might sound silly. Nobody else could have did it. It was that's not a typo. That's how he he spoke. And he told police he sometimes heard bad voices in his head murdered 11 the next one 2005 charles mccoy 29 he, he was deemed paranoid schizophrenic he pleaded guilty in 2005 to involuntary mass loading slaughter and 10 other charges for a series of highway shootings he admitted firing the shots in 2003 and 2004 to because of quiet, mocking voices in his head. And here I have to talk about these attorneys that these people had that didn't look into what the clients were telling them, whether it is a temporary insanity, whether it is looking into the torture. You know, well, this was in 2005. It wasn't known. It wasn't well known about the targeting program yet. But it's certainly, that's why I emphasize people today, if you're a targeted individual and you're accused of a crime, you certainly have to insist on getting your FBI file, even if it's not a federal crime, because it's likely that they have a dossier on you because you're on the TSTB. Next one is George Wagner uh, IV. He murdered eight people in supposedly a custody battle over a toddler. You know, it's just so gruesome. The scene is just so gruesome that it had to be either V2K or subliminal messaging. It's uh, a normal human being is not capable of killing, you know, the crime scene found a four-day-old baby slain in next to his slain mother. That child and a six-month-old and a three-year-old survived. 
but he killed children, grandparents, you know, the mother of the kids. He was charged of multiple counts of aggravated murder. This one also heard, well, he, he called himself an angel of the neighborhood. And he burned down the house. The next one, his name is Stanley Ford, also in Ohio, all of them. He was convicted of murdering nine people in three separate fires in 2016, between 2016 and 2017. The last one, seven people were killed, including five children. He believed the occupants of that house were gamblers, alcoholics, and homosexuals. Where did he get that? I mean, it was five, mom, dad, and five kids, okay? Most of the people that died were children. They were not gamblers, alcoholics, or homosexuals. And the neighbors dismissed him as creepy, weird, old fellow. He lived right next to one of the houses that he set on fire. Go, go to the next slide so you can see the house. The, the children were all found dead close to one of the windows trying to escape. And he claimed he was an angel sent from God to protect his neighborhood. Again, the, if this is not either subliminal messaging or V2K, I don't know what is. Okay, but he instead killed those he didn't like, said the prosecutor. So here, this is my conclusion for this section, which is I really believe that if these people, at least the ones that we know for sure, are hearing V2K, like Marlo, they were placed on the TSDB as a consequence of it. They were tortured with V2K and they were driven to these crimes. We don't know the intensity of their torture. I really believe that the, the relatives of these victims have a cause of action against the government criminals that torture these people, as well as those that put them in the TSDB. The next slide that has to do with Ohio is the huge government giveaways from free gangs talking money. The University of Dayton, in 2021, they did a seminar saying to extra, titled, a conference titled Extremism Rhetoric and Democratic Precarity. Well, in that seminar, they have, they created that pyramid where they're basically putting people that are and entities that are conservative, such as Fox News, Prager University, and, and all the like that are there. They are classifying them as terrorists. And uh, so they got rewarded, Breitbart News, National Rifle Association, Heritage Foundation, the Republican Party, so the Christian Broadcasting Network, they were all touted by the University of Dayton faculty as domestic violence, extremism, and hate movements, the Christian Broadcasting Network. Okay? So even pro-police movements such as Blue Lives Matter. And uh, so they, as a prize, they got a grant from the DHS that is giving money away for these gang stalking operations. It's called Targeted Violence and Terrorism Prevention Grant Program. 
that I mentioned it last week that Columbia got like over $800,000 for it. Uh, so they have awarded, this administration has awarded 80 grants totaling under $40 million. And uh, University of Dayton got a $352,000 grant for these purposes. I also go, let's go to the next one. We want to talk about the strange event about the, you know, the toxic derailment in East Palestine. Well, a week before it happened, the people were in, in East Palestine, they were asked to go get uh, an important medical device that was going to be available to all 4,700 residents starting on January 29th just five days before the derailment of the train. What a coincidence. And so go to the next slide there. It explained the East Palestine residents, they explained how the that was going to monitor an easy method to provide valuable medical information for first respondents in an event of an emergency. These people are clairvoyants. Uh, you know, they exactly one week before they were launching the My ID emergency service for free to the residents to collect the biometric data of the residents. In the next slide, you can see, just like the illegal implants in many of the targeted individuals, these uh, biometric these devices, what they do is that they broadcast basic information. Uh, on your physical activity, your heart rate, your respiration, anything you might be exposed to other than being a tracking device. So that's interesting that it was offered to the residents of that town five days before the accident. And the next slide, please. It's no coincidence that Senator Rob Portman from Ohio proposed the Global Catastrophic Risk Management Act of 2022, which I think it's an atrocity because it's like uh, he is also being clairvoyant, okay? Uh, in the next slide, it says the purpose of it is supposedly to submit a report containing a detailed assessment of global catastrophic and existential risk. But the important thing is that they want to do an exercise as part of the national exercise program in coordination of the committee to test and enhance the operation, operationalization of the strategy, sort of like FEMA, you know, like FEMA and their emergency alerts, whatever. And then the last thing I'm going to mention that is very strange about Ohio is that the InfraGuard headquarters, InfraGuard was founded in Ohio and its headquarters are in Ohio. And it, as many, most of you know, InfraGuard is the arm of the the private it's a it's a public private partnership with the FBI that carries most a lot of the hacking of targeted individuals they don't have a security clearance they are specialized in IT they don't have immunity and uh right after we filed TJ versus Garland they stopped accepting applications so that's another good thing we can say, Lynn, that uh, maybe some people are getting scared of their of their prior actions, even though they're not defendants yet. So all I have to say for now is just pay attention. 
pay attention because I've been, I, I think all of these Ohio dogs connect to there's something going on in there and people there should just be paying attention. And if you have any good um, <clears throat> Ohio stories like this, you can, or updates, uh, send them to us with a uh, program in Ohio, subject line to tjustice2 at proton.me. And sorry that it was so long, but I thought it was everything was really important to convey. Thank you for that presentation, Anna. That was absolutely terrific for several reasons. First of all, I'm just amazed. When did you find the time to do this on top of all your legal responsibilities? It's a really deep dive into just one state, taking a close, detailed look, which is extremely useful, not for just residents of Ohio, but for everybody. You will see this connection, these strange events, sometimes atrocious acts, and people will start paying attention. So wonderful job. And secondly, I'm so grateful that you took the leadership this week and prepared the slides, which is usually my job. I can't say thank you enough. I had a live event this week that I had to prepare for, and it, it went really well. It was about uh, what's in your pharmaceuticals, because I'm doing microscopy with my, all my colleagues, and we just invited people to show what my colleagues found in vaccines, what uh, my colleagues found in other pharmaceuticals, what I personally found in the pharmaceuticals and in the blood of unvaccinated and vaccinated people when mixed with pharmaceutical. It was a really interesting discussion. And a portion of that presentation were several video clips of Dr. James Giordano. And you could hear a pin drop in the audience when we were talking about it. So I used these slides several days ago in a conversation with my non-TI sounding board, my friend Don Prosser, and we recorded this bonus episode. So right now you're watching episode 33. So go back and watch episode 32 when we played these clips and we had a lively discussion. And it's the name of the episode is Nanotechnology and Brain Cloud Interface. If you don't know anything about it, it will stop you in your tracks. I guarantee that. Of course, it's nothing new to targeted individuals, but for, for a lot of people, the connection that we make and we're, we're supporting it by real quotes, of uh, Dr. James Giordano, of course, who of course is a world-renowned neuroweapon expert, uh, expert, and he talks about nanotechnology and how nanotechnology plays a role in the brain-computer or brain-cloud interface. So this is my recommendation, and thank you again for preparing your slide. It was wonderful. Thank you. Anna. Well, you're welcome. I it's my pleasure, and uh, I just wanted to put this out there. Because I had been accumulating, I had like a, a main document, like Ohio summary, and I had been adding to it because it's it's just things. And I know there's more things to much many other things going on. I just didn't have access to them. But anyways, so you're very welcome. My pleasure. Now, 
let's talk to our special guest, Liliana. Already mentioned the name of a, a New Jersey neurologist, Dr. Lydia Sajenka. I heard this name from several targeted individuals, including Gorgi and, uh, and now from Liliana. And I contacted her office, left messages and sent emails. And I would very much like to talk to Dr. Sajenka. But today we have one of her patients whom she diagnosed with Havana syndrome. And we're absolutely thrilled to have you, Liliana. And thank you for coming on on our podcast to share your private medical case. Our audience, I guarantee, is on the edge of their seat. So please tell us about your experience with Dr. Sajenko, Liliana. Yes, thank you, uh, Len. Um, uh, she uh, might be uh, one of the top neurologists in the United States, if not of the world because she has state-of-the-art uh, testing and uh, instruments, equipment, and, and really uh, very well-trained staff to conduct all of these tests. And she uh, 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 does follows a protocol of uh, uh, diverse tests for a period of about two months uh, with each patient so that um, uh, she has enough data to uh, collect from the results of numerous tests that then she evaluates. Um, and uh, among the tests that she conducts uh, are uh, EEG tests where she, um, her staff applied the sensors on her head connected to a computer and, uh, and, and that is linked to uh, two monitors, a monitor that they give you to take home with you and uh, this, the uh, parallel monitor uh, being observed uh, by Dr. Sashenko uh, from her office. And, and the, this test takes place uh, nonstop, day and night for about, in my case, it was about four days, four to five days where we are still with the electrodes uh, in a awake period and a sleep period um, and uh, sitting in front of the monitor, we would see the EEG signals and the doctor simultaneously sees them from her office. Um, in, a, in addition to that, she has uh, ultrasound tests uh, with a, a specialist who comes to her office uh, to do the ultrasound of the neurological system of the upper body and in one session and then of the lower body and in another session, another appointment. Um, she also um, uh, does um, uh, a complete blood test looking for uh, uh, all, all types of markers 
that are is more complete than any blood test that I ever had. Um, as you know, in your symposium, you noted that uh, the nanobots uh, try to enter the red blood cells and uh, siphon the contents of the red blood cells. So her blood test uh, that I contacted, conducted in her office or the, the, uh, showed that uh, I'm very depleted of red blood cells and white blood cells. And um, I believe that is, I, I don't have an issue with eating or with anything in my body other than uh, I have these technologies inside of my body that are depleting me from the red blood cells. And um, uh, she also conducts um, uh, uh, and sends us to a special MRI testing place where they do the um, uh, uh, T2 flare test of, of uh, to try and observe any anomalies in, in the white matter of the brain and uh, anything happening there. And I had three separate MRIs at this institute uh, for uh, the neurological, I mean, the, the, the spinal cord and the brainstem, uh, another one for the brain, and I think another one for extremities or something. It was very complete. Um, then um, uh, she also uh, sends you sometimes with uh, equipment for uh, for the sleep evaluation. You know whether you have a normal sleep or abnormal sleep, and uh, sends you with these electrodes also on the on the head uh, for two days of sleep tests, two full days uh, to evaluate. Uh, way, uh, whether your sleep is disturbed by um, uh, external factors maybe that could be contributing to that. And um, uh, she um, also has her staff uh, perform nerve con conduction tests to see uh, how the operation of the nerves uh, is uh, is uh, taking place. And um, uh, that's also a long, a long test, uh, the nerve conduction test. Uh, she also um, has her staff do uh, two different series of cognitive tests evaluation. So we have to sit at computers to do some testing to resolve problems that are presented to us um, to see how we face uh, cognitive uh, issues. And uh, that were the two staff members uh, involved in separate 
cognitive tests and separate sessions for that. Um, then, uh, you know, she does also the brain mapping. Brain mapping, and she shows how the, the brain responds um, in uh, awake period and sleep periods. Also, um, uh, you know, like um, uh, different, uh, whether the brain is active, it says, um, and, uh, and then otherwise relative, you know, uh, uh, function of the of the brain so in in uh, there are moments when it's active and the brain is functioning there's the relative function when the brain is not functioning that well you know and she records that um so um numerous tests you know this is brain check test um uh and uh the whole report is, in my case, it was 150 pages because it was 75 pages on both sides of the of the page and includes the scannings or all, all of the scannings done uh, on the report. I have uh, downloaded, I uh, selected out of the whole report 14 pages to share with you because they have, I think, the essential medical data uh, that you can evaluate. Uh, by the way, I spoke with <clears throat> Dr. Shashenko on October the 9th and I told her that you are trying to get in touch with her and she welcomes your, your call because she's, I had forwarded to her uh, the video of your symposium. And she was very impressed by your discoveries. So she's looking forward to speaking with you. And she said that if, uh, if you contact her office and the best way would be through the email that I, I emailed to you, her staff then uh, would pass a message to her uh, main assistant who is Megan. And Megan then would give you the the phone appointment to speak with her with Dr. Shashenko because she is extremely busy with all of the patients, you know, but she's looking forward to connecting with you and sharing information with you. Um he says diagnosis is the sole responsibility of the licensed medical practitioner after person's examination, lab tests, and or other clinical findings as necessary. But anyway, we, if you like, we can go through the pages that I uh, can share with you um, from that I selected from the from the report. So I I have here. Um, the 14 pages, if you see them at the bottom of the screen, and you see the first page here that uh, on my report where Dr. Shushenko says, let me increase the size a little bit to 
so that you can see it more clearly. Let's see. Okay. If you can read it, uh, she's uh, saying Havana syndrome patient for 20 years, multiple lesions, skin provided, neosporin, recommended antibiotics, Keflex, Columbia University said it was radiation. And then um, this is Loretta scan is one of her tests, uh, normal response time to visual and cognitive stimulus, normal latency under no-go condition and neural capacity, neuronal, neuronal capacity associated with attention and information processing, normal level of theta, theta frequencies, central brain activity, and uh, beta frequencies, normal peak alpha frequencies, alpha interhemispheric asymmetry in normal level, inattention, lack of focus or sustained concentration, failure to discriminate or simply not respond to a rapid stimulus, discrimination, omission errors can be correlated with inattention and slow slowed cognitive processing capacity, delayed latency, reduced neuron, neuronal capacity associated with visual processing, neurofeedback, omega-3 fatty acids, stimulant medi, medications, I guess, e.g. moderate intermittent cortical slowing, MRI brain cortical atrophy, white matter ischemic changes. Patient has erythematous lesions um, with serosanguineous fluid. Um, so she says, she talks about the pain in my body from these attacks. Uh, constant and worse at times, aggravating factors. And then I can switch next page. Liliana. Yes. Uh, if I may say something, well, I, I don't think we, we, we have time to review all 14 or 15 pages. I got the general picture. I got that this is a very comprehensive diagnostic process. I would like to speak to Dr. Sajenka and, and really hopefully she and I can have an online conversation, a separate podcast dedicated to her diagnostic process because it is extremely important. And what you have done, you came forward with your private medical information, with, which is truly heroic. Not everybody can do it. And of course, everybody loves you, Liliana, because you're just such a lovely lady. Your history, we heard it on other podcasts. It's a 20 years of brutal targeting. And on top of that, you still kept up with your work at the United Nations and, you know, family situation. And you just been decimated. But yet here you are with a diagnosis. 
And this is truly remarkable. And I, I want to really celebrate it. I think our entire community needs to celebrate it. So we just so appreciate that you came with this information to us. We will decipher every page, every meaningful information, and we will present it in a way that is digestible, is um, understood by anybody by ATI who is a farmer or who is a PhD in you know political scientist and everybody is in between because we're all in the same boat there's no Dr. Bear and then there's no you know farmer John we're all targeted individuals so let's celebrate that and thank you for for doing that Liliana do you have anything to add about your diagnosis well, uh, that I know that I have injuries as a result of 20 years of assaults. Day and night, I feel them in parts of me, my head, my neuro, in my neurological system, in body organs. So I knew that uh, if she went deep into it, she would find all of this. Um, I feel now that all of the people who were uh, not taking me seriously, like 20 years of police reports, you know, that uh, were uh, uh, portrayed in police reports as uh, that portrayed me as an emotionally disturbed person with a code 117 now with concrete evidence that I'm a Havana syndrome victim that is uh, the result of what the government has uh, found to be the cause, that the Havana syndrome is uh, caused by um, uh, pulse microwaves and attacks uh, to the neurological system and the um, uh, the Havana Act says that Havana stands for helping American victims afflicted with neurological attacks. That's what the acronym for Havana is uh, used for in the law, the Havana Act. So the government uh, recognizes that we are vic victims of neurological attacks and that these attacks uh, that cause the Havana syndrome are produced by uh, attacks from pulse uh, microwaves, radiation, microwave radiation, radio frequencies, and electricity electromagnetic uh, technologies coming from uh, what uh, targeted justice uh, has uh, explained uh, from um, directed energy weapons from uh, cell tower beam forming. I have a cell tower uh, microwave tower that is the one being used uh, by, local, by the local fusion center and and uh, it's only one mile away from my home. And then we also have satellite involvement 
and drone involvement. I'm subjected to drone attacks uh, on a daily basis around the clock. I often open the door of my house to go to the yard or to my car and, and the drone is still hovering over me because it's been attacking me nonstop. Um, I wanted to mention also that uh, um, for um, uh, the people in Ohio, the headquarters of the Air Force labs is located in the state of Ohio. And it used to be that the headquarters of that lab was in upstate New York, in Rome, New York, but it's now a branch of it providing uh, you know, they do uh, human experimentation uh, from drones, etc. you know. So that should be an important uh, matter to research for the state of Ohio. I think they have four branches in the United States from the main headquarters that are in Ohio. One of them is in upstate New York, and it used to be the headquarters there. Um, so yeah, that's what I want to say. There's a lot of components to this crime against humanity, act of torture. I reported to the State Intelligence Center of New York that I have been the victim of domestic terrorist attacks with microwave weapons. And I made responsible the local fusion center and they referred me to the office of the attorney general, telling me that many people had called the state intelligence center to complain about these microwave attacks in the state of New York. Thank you very much again for coming on the show and sharing your story. We will be hearing from you again, I'm sure from Dr. Sajenko. Our show is coming to an end. And as always, we want to hear from our guests. Please, Lilian, let's start with you. Your final words for the audience, and maybe a word of wisdom, uh, maybe a word of advice, anything you would, you would like to say. Yes, I, I, I would recommend to all victims of, of, of this heinous crime of, uh, that causes uh, the Havana syndrome injuries in people to get tested because then they can prove that they're real victims of this crime and nobody can uh, allege that they have uh, uh, some kind of mental illness or something, but this is factual. These tests can prove that you're a victim of these crimes and people need to get tested. All of these tests will help form a group of victims that the government has to consider besides the uh uh the the victims who worked for the government they are ordinary citizens in the many thousands that are victims of these crimes and both congress and the government need to recognize that they should uh, include us uh as victims of the havana syndrome crime Thank you, Liliana. Now, final words from uh, Anna. Thank you, Liliana. That was so good. Um, I hope I can make it up to New York uh, in some time. Well, 
I, again, I, I hear, I get your emails and I cannot respond to everybody because I'm very, very bit swamped. Uh, but I do read them and I want you to please stay strong. We have, we are, again, I have, I know I have to repeat it. We're on the mile 24th of the marathon and we are survivors. We've come so far. Uh, there is a little time left because it's about declaring illegal the inclusion of innocent people on a terrorist database and it's our right to be free so just stay strong and every morning just give thanks to being alive and to being a failed experiment like we all are thank you anna and as for me i'm calling this episode breaking through the medical ceiling just over three years ago I have not heard of any civilian diagnosed with Havana syndrome from domestic directed energy attacks. And today, it seems like every week we have another case and another case among civilians, among targeted individuals, something that was thought to be almost impossible not that long time ago. The medical profession is waking up to the reality of the targeting phenomenon, of the targeting program. And this is happening because of you, targeted individuals. You are no longer accepting the status quo. You're coming to the light, out of the shadows, and talk about your experiences, and you demand a diagnosis that matches reality instead of a politically correct but completely wrong psychiatric diagnosis. I'm not saying that there are no disorders of the mind, but it is up to the medical professionals now to differentiate between these two different situations. And we, targeted individuals, need to know everything about how the diagnosis of Havana syndrome is made, or as it should be correctly named, non-kinetic brain injury. What are the criteria? What are the tests that would allow doctors to make a differential diagnosis? I suggest that we TIs should know this criteria better than the doctors who are shamefully uneducated on the subject. So we can guide them, so we can answer their questions and advise them which questions they should be asking. This is a thorny, complicated road we're on. It is not easy to rise up against the medical establishment, but the truth always prevails at the end. Every targeted individual deserves to be diagnosed appropriately and fairly. Until that day, we will be here every Sunday. Rain or shine. Mm -hmm.